Hello, everyone, and welcome to Showhoppers. Today we're covering Chernobyl, Episode 5, Vichnaya Pamya, which means eternal memory. I am Mr. Sal, a high school science teacher, watching Chernobyl for the first time and very happy that I'm doing it. And I'm doing so with my co-host and former student, also watching Chernobyl for the first time, Kurt, although Kurt informs me that he hasn't watched this episode. I may or may not have watched this episode. Uh, what I can say is 700. Okay, so we have our villain, Kurt, and we have <laughs> our hero, me. We have our podcast. Let's go. It sounds like the Soviet government. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's uh, as per tradition, see what we thought of this episode. Rating. Well, Kurt, I think that you, I think I think that you really enjoy the episode, but you wonder how much of it is based on reality. How much this this episode actually happened? Uh, I don't know if you've done any research on this. You don't have to tell me uh, because that might influence my uh, my guess for your rating. I would say that you like it a lot. That you did cursory research i think you did quite extensive research on this actually uh and that you're a little disappointed with the deviations from reality uh but not enough to give it anything less than a 10 i think you gave it a 10 all right um i think you also did research based on the, <laughs> on the way you're talking yeah i gave that away didn't i and i and i think uh i think you were disappointed in the uh, structures from reality you gave it a nine out of ten hmm. Okay. Well, I, I don't like stuff based on reality, though. So I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with fictionalization. So, no, I gave it a 10. <laughs> see, I, see, that's where you got me wrong. I did zero research. I gave it a 10. <laughs> I you did, did zero research? I did zero because I didn't want it to influence me. <laughs> oh, okay. I probably will after this podcast. I'm, I'm intrigued by some of the, um, yeah. the helicopters. I mean, they, gave, they, they told some stuff, like the divers didn't actually end up dying. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so you know, there's a few things we probably want to look at and uh, see, like, like the whole animal killing thing, and like, I guess six hundred thousand people were conscripted. Again, you know, I said at the end of the uh, the episode, but yeah, just, just some of the stuff I'm, I'm curious to. Yeah, like there, there relationship. There was an article for the New Yorker that kind of shredded the series as a whole mm -hmm. uh, about the inaccuracy of it but almost all the complaints that that i can't remember the, the guys i really should know this i'll try to look it up while mm -hmm. i'm talking about it but um all, almost all the complaints that the guy had about it were really nuanced like they would never say that about the soviet government or they would never say that to a government official do you know what i mean like mm -hmm. it wasn't and then a huge he had huge problems with uh, the Ulana character. Nah, see, that's ridiculous. Nah, I, I that's ridiculous. So. I'm already. I mean, I guess it's good that we knew she was already fake. That's right. Cool. I, in fact, I'm cool. Well, that's only they, one they fake character. Us. I would have expected a lot more fake characters from a series like this. So, right, right. I, so, so this this guy's name, by the way, is Masha Gassen. So, oh, that's the name of the. The one, the, the roof, the, the roof, one roof, Masha. Masha. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why I didn't like the series. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so anyway, um, so a lot of this is is really 
just i i feel like it's picking nits about just the way they say things and how aggressive they are with the soviet government like valerie would never just smash his hands on the table and say no we can't do this oh like, yeah to, to pick out gorba chop i don't care about that that's that's fine um there's there was another article that kind of went through item by item and i i enjoyed that one a lot more that was for um who wrote that was it no it wasn't vox i'm i'm also intrigued Medium. by the sorry the bio humans they didn't note on that at all as well at the end in the end oh so i know i do want to look at i do want to look into that like what's the survival like were they was, was the meta all right like <laughs> right right <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm sure a lot of them died. And a lot of, I mean, the, the thing about the thing about Chernobyl is, the, from the documentaries that I've seen, <clears throat> specifically Chernobyl Heart, <laughs> another plug for that, mm-hmm. um, it is really hard to get anyone to categorically say this cancer or this condition is the result of exposure to radiation from mm-hmm. Chernobyl. Like nobody will say it. Nobody, like they, they just don't. They can't diagnose that way. They don't say it as in like they don't want to accept it or like you can't technically know for sure. Both. <laughs> like it's so clear. Like the radiation levels are still elevated in the exclusion zone. Mm-hmm. It's it's very clear. Like the rates of thyroid cancer are so much higher in like that area of Ukraine and Belarus than they are in the rest of the world. Like it, it's 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 so clear that it's because of Chernobyl, but like, I don't know if it's government suppression of the idea or what, but it's very clear that Chernobyl has caused many more deaths than it is, you know, blamed for. Didn't I mean, they say at the at the end of this? Only 31. 31. 31 yeah. deaths directly yeah. from Chernobyl. So that's why, like, kids with thyroid cancer are not going to be Chernobyl's not going to be blamed for them but it is in all likelihood the cause the, what i really liked about this whole series as a whole was kind mm-hmm. of like and i think this is a thing with history we were actually talking about this the other day of like we know some historical figures and it's like oh why do we know their name like they're not yeah that important and then there's also probably there's a lot of other people in history who've done very important things that we don't mm-hmm. really know the know of like the name of like in, in you know, a lot of the comment, like a lot of people don't know the names of a lot of people that did do a lot of good in the world. Like, um, well, the example I gave you was uh-huh. I think the most important invention of my <laughs> lifetime. It wasn't in my lifetime, obviously, but <laughs> the most important invention in my life is the toilet bowl, the flushable <laughs> toilet. But I couldn't tell you who invented the flushable toilet. Yeah, who's credited for that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have no idea, but I know who invented the cotton gin. And I don't know, like, <laughs> Eli Whitney is, invented the cotton gin, and I, I don't know even what the cotton gin does. It picks the seeds out of cotton. Yeah, it picks right? out of seeds, yeah. Okay, like, uh, th- to me, that is completely irrelevant in my life. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I know him. Yeah, but I no, know who invented definitely. the toilet bowl or the refrigerator, no. which is the other, the second most important invention in my life. It's like, I was thinking about this, and I was like, man, you know, I was, I was trying to remember back, and I, I figured out the person's name. Do you know who Thomas Midgley is? Nope. No idea. You don't know who this person is. This person is credited with by a lot of accounts as causing the most destruction one person has ever caused. Whoa. They're attributed with a hundred million deaths. Whoa. This person. That's like uh, more than Adrian Veidt. This is a chemical engineer who huh. 
lived from 1989 to 1944, and he did two big inventions. Wait, hold on. A- 1889 to 1989? 1889. Yep, okay. yep. Died in his 50s. Gotcha. From polio. Two two things he's known for, notably. Number one, leaded gasoline. <laughs> Number two, CFCs. He we invented the first CFCs and popularized them. <laughs> Oh, Same with wow. gasoline. So he he knew the risk of leaded gasoline, but went through with it anyway. He didn't really know as much for the CFCs, and it, it wouldn't be until like the seventies that it was really yeah, like C- CFCs are chlorofluorocarbons. They're yeah. used in refrigerants and coolants, and they uh, deplete the ozone layer. Yeah, cause... yeah. Now, we don't use them as much now, or really at all. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're not very. <laughs> now we now we've known better. It's actually one of the best examples of like you know human environmental control, arguably ever. But no, I mean, here, so here's another example. Like, I this is an entire event, and, and we talked about it when we covered Watchmen. I didn't even, I had never heard of the Tulsa Race Massacre until mm-hmm. I saw Watchmen in 2019, like a hundred years later. So, so I'm just highlighting that person just to show, like, arguably caused more death and destruction than perhaps Chernobyl, perhaps other, you know, you know, people cite Hitler a lot and Mao and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not trying to say anything less about that. But this is definitely a cause of a lot of premature deaths, and I think he's attributed with lowering the world by a billion IQ points and more violence because of lead. So a billion IQ points? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So you know, because that lead, lead, lead does that, right? It lowers. I mean, it is a neurotoxin. Yeah. 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 So there's that. So. Wow, history. Yeah, one of I guess we'll go with one other person because I was I, was, I looked this person up a few days ago because I was thinking about this topic. Mm-hmm. Stanislav Petrov, no oh. person who saved the world from nuclear annihilation during the Cold War, nineteen eighty three. He's at his post working for the USSR, and according to his radar, it starts as one, two, three, four, five. U.S. missiles are heading for the USSR, okay? And according mm-hmm. to his machine, they're coming. Yep. He reasons that, you know what? Just There's no way they did this, right? There's just no way. So despite what his machine's telling him, he ref- he does not tell his superiors. He hides the fact. says it's just a malfunction. He doesn't know it's a malfunction. He's just saying that. And it, it did turn out to be a malfunction. The, the radar was picking up like oh, the way man. the sun was hitting some object in the sky or something. But... Had he gone through with it, it would have started probably a very hot war. So he, mm. he contributed with saving hundreds of millions everyone. of people. <laughs> yeah, everyone. <laughs> so, so there's another person in history that we don't really know very well, but very big impact. So I don't know. Interesting. Fame, fame, historic fame is not correlated with impact. Maybe it's, I, I shouldn't say that. It is correlated to, to a degree. But it's not—it's well, it not a one-to-one be. correlation. Yeah, yeah, it's not a one-to-one correlation. Just, just right. the more famous you are, does not mean you have more impact on history or humanity or the, you know the world. Right. There is a correlation, probably, but definitely not a one-to-one one. So there you go. Something. No, this series made me think about it. Watching this, like, it would seem from you watching the series that Valerie and a lot of the scientific community here had a big play into pushing the USSR to accept what happened and to. Mm-hmm perhaps prevent another Chernobyl, which right. who knows if it would have occurred, especially with the instability uh, nearing the end of the USSR that, I don't know. So. I mean, I, I can tell you that in the in the early 2000s, so, you know, 20 years after Chernobyl or so, maybe, maybe less, 15, 20 years after Chernobyl, most scientists believed that the next Chernobyl would be Chernobyl. Like that the, there was still enough radioactive material in there 
to have it happen to have it be more likely that it would happen again there than anywhere else than any other power plant yeah Jeez. all right yeah and i mean that we, we talked about the giant new sarcophagus that they've built over it mm-hmm. which is to, like, that had to be done because the old one was crumbling because probably of all the radiation <laughs> so and they'll probably have to do this again what did you say 100 years this is gonna last 100 years is supposed to last for which is not that long <laughs> long enough for me <laughs> long enough for me, yeah. <laughs> that's right that's right that's i, I think basically what happened there right everyone's like oh, geez. yeah was like, i think it's literally somebody else's problem <laughs> that's i think the mindset that occurred for that it cost two billion dollars yeah well, we could pay 10 billion and it'll be good for a thousand years yeah but that's that's a lot of billion <laughs> i mean really uh, th- that 100 years when you think about it it's been it's been 40 years almost 40 years right since mm-hmm. chernobyl exploded it basically yeah 40 yeah. so i mean uh, to, for me it seems like it's been almost 40 it's it's, it's been like 37 years whatever. yeah a little less but. but to me it seems like it just happened but <laughs> <laughs> almost almost 40 years we're good for another 100 we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this in 2117 <laughs> no i won't then, Maybe uh, we'll, see. we'll see if the if the if mortality comes out by then okay well, we'll see no anyway i did love this episode I, I really loved it i loved the intercutting between the trial oh, and yeah. the immediate events leading up to the explosion that i thought was so good. I was first of all, it was good to get those characters back. Second of all, it's it's like we need we didn't get to see that. So I mean, they spent the whole series trying to figure out how this happened, and we get to see how it happened mm-hmm. finally. Yes, you know, that's the conclusion they draw. That's the conclusion we get. It's it's really great, uh, and, and we get to see it. They show us. It's pretty cool. Uh, I, I loved having more scenes with that love too. I really liked that love uh, as a character here. Um, I also loved, I really loved Valerie's uh, red and blue cards. I loved his explanation. I loved their explanation for it. Yes. So good. Like, <laughs> I had never heard of poisoning of uh, of a nuclear reactor. Yeah. I, 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 didn't, I, I remember when they talked about the, was it the two different void coefficient and the negative mm-hmm. temperature coefficient? Yeah, I don't know what it was. Yeah, I, and I <laughs> still don't understand it. those. I things, don't understand but... it quite. I mean, I understand like as the temperature goes up itself, like it lowers reactivity. And the void, mm-hmm. I think, was as there's more steam, it ups reactivity. Yeah, something like there's that. Less, but... There's less water. I don't know, or it heats up the water than more. I don't know. But and I'm, I, I don't, and I don't think Lagasa historically, I don't think Lagasa even testified at this trial. Oh, okay. So, like, that's why I mean, like, it took a lot of liberties here, but I don't care. Like, I, like, yeah, I, 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 I really enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, and I, so I don't think that the the red and blue cards ever came into play in an actual trial, but I thought it was no, a really cool device for them to explain to the viewer what's happening. Yeah, I think they did a great job explaining it. Yeah, because I mean, when you see it, it's like, all right, this looks this looks great. It's all just slow down. So how did it blow up? And then there's just that that one, one check. Shift. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, well, now we're going all the way the other in the other direction. Yeah. Re- really amazing. Uh, but yeah, so I, I thought this was great. I thought yeah, I don't generally enjoy when fiction ends or not fiction when uh, works of entertainment end in text. But I did appreciate a lot of the things that they said here. 
Uh, I mean, I so many pages of notes just on the the notes at the end, but just so I remember them all. But it really like it, that didn't really bother me like it usually does. It was it was fine. Um, yeah, and then to come back around on the theme of of lies. I mean, we started the series with Valerie Legasov saying, "What is the cost of a lie?" And that's how the series ends too. So I love the bookending nature of that. That's really cool. That's good. Yeah. I guess the only thing that I, I wish we had seen was in, in universe, the universe they built a bit after Valerie's death. Or just seeing Boris and Ulana without him. Yeah, or seeing well. somebody recover the tapes or, or something. Something to that effect. Something yeah, something about that. It's, I mean we didn't. It's fine. It's the story they told. It was a very good story. But, yeah. yeah, I also was a little disappointed that we didn't get to see the Vienna. Hearing. Oh yeah, we didn't see that conference at all. What he exactly what he said word for word and like how it went for him. No, you're right. Yeah, but it, it, it I was able to piece it together. It wasn't hard yeah. to piece together what what was said there, what happened. Um, KGB guess, was happy, <laughs> right? KGB was happy exactly. So, and I guess it was more important to see what we saw than to see that, but. I, I see the series, and I think they could have made this longer, I feel like. Oh, yeah. They could have made it longer, and I think still pretty good. But, you know, you, you always say that until you couldn't. <laughs> like, exactly. It does get drawn out. So Yeah. You always want the series to end with, I, I boy, I wish they'd made would, more yeah, rather exactly. than, boy, they made too many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so I, that's how I feel about it. I'm like, yeah, I feel like they could have done a bit more. Like, I was, you know, they, they, there's more there, but I, I – that's a good that's a that's a good problem i guess mm -hmm. better than the other better better than the reverse so yeah yeah anyway so uh let's uh take a guess at each other's favorite scenes here i i think that uh for you i think your favorite scene was right after valerie you know basically lambasted the the soviet government for covering the whole thing up that gets pulled into this room with the kgb uh, the, the KGB. I think you loved that. The, 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 everything that the, the KGB chief, I wish I knew his name, but I don't. <laughs> everything I, he's, he's say, like, I just call him like, KGB. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, he, he he's says, the face you know, of the KGB. I can do whatever I, can do whatever I want with you. He says. Mm -hmm. But what I really want more than anything is to, is to, for you to know that all the credit that, that you should get is going to be had by lesser, lesser men than you. <laughs> I, I love this you you will remain so immaterial to the world around you that when you finally do die it will be exceedingly hard to know that you've ever lived at all <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah. yeah so so I, I think that's your favorite scene all right i think your favorite scene geez it's either that one or it's valerie's like round two in the courtroom uh i'm gonna go with that one the uh him talking to the KGB agent in the room. Okay. Uh, no, it was the other one. Ah, <laughs> uh, it was round two. Uh, that's yeah. my favorite scene. Is round two. Round two. Uh, okay. I was going to guess round two for you, but then he said that. <laughs> and think, oh, maybe he did because that that was probably my second choice. I did like that scene a lot. That was yeah. That was, very that good was definitely up there for me. I also loved the um. I really anything all their court scenes were good. Like oh, Boris's was, was good. Ulana's the flashbacks. Oh. Uh, anything anything with a flashback i love the flashbacks with so the much. voiceover yeah the voiceover and oh. the talking and we it, it's very satisfying to see the result like seeing what caused the plant explosion it, it's kind of yeah. like they made a a quasi whodunit like yeah yeah 
not, we already know how the story's going to end in, in in a bit of a way, but mm-hmm. just the it just the nature of like how did it, how did that explode? They don't explode. <laughs> they don't quite know. Right. Uh, I, you know, I even love the the very first flashback, just the, the seeing that you know, Fomin thinks that Birkov is is going to get promoted, which means that he's going to get promoted, <laughs> and and Dyatlov saying, "Oh, you know, I'd like to be considered for your position." Then, and, like seeing that, I thought helped so much with the rest of this because then everything Dyatlov says during the safety test is I viewed through that lens of he needs this to work, he needs this to go. For according to plan mm-hmm. so that he can get that promotion because it really it might it probably for him is the difference between promotion and termination <laughs> like i don't think there's any way he stays in this position after this <laughs> either it works and he gets promoted or it doesn't work and he just gets fired yeah no it, it i mean i guess Chernobyl was an example based again i based on what i saw in the series i haven't done any research so i don't i don't know how much this is like made up but it's like human both greed but also like toxic pride. systems yeah. pride like you yeah. know just yeah just per- perverse incentives like it's exactly it really i think the incentive was there he wanted to get promoted and and so much so that he he was willing to throw caution to the wind and, and and make these really destructive decisions and again it's it's fictionalized it's traumatized i know that that's that's mm-hmm. but we're talking about the, the dramatized version here. Yeah, the the general consensus is that yes, there were problems with the reactor, but those problems would never have come to light if there wasn't some sort of human element to this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like all the problems they did had had there not been graphite at those tips of those control rods, mm-hmm. it all would have it all would have stopped. Right. Exactly. So, so certainly, so certainly, there, there's so much fault to be put on the, uh, you know, anybody who knew about that and didn't say anything. Um, but then there's also fault because th- the reactor shouldn't have been pushed to the point where that yeah. came into play. Yeah. So. It's, yeah. Exactly. So, and and they they've said it several times in the last two episodes. Yes, Birkinov and Fomin and Dyatlov are to blame, but they're not entirely to blame. So yes, they did, they did cause the explosion, but they didn't, they weren't the only ones that caused the explosion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's really cool. It's such a cool concept just to take this historical event and view it through that lens of these corrupt systems of these, of this like, con- like toxic control of information. Mm-hmm. Right, I, I think that's a good way to put it. Right, toxic control. Of information. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Toxic control of information. Where uh, I, 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 I have it written down somewhere, but just the quote he puts about you keep lying. It's a, it's more of a debt on the truth. Oh yeah, it, I, I have the whole quote written yeah. down, but it's it's and it's in this scene. Like this is this is like this this makes well, the, scenes the whole so series. Long. These scenes were so long. By the way, I know. It's like, yeah. There's like I know. maybe ten scenes total. Yeah, he says when the truth offends. We lie and lie until we can no longer remember the truth is still there. Which I mean, that take that alone, and you could write, you know, um, a doctoral thesis on that line, right? But then he continues, but it is still there. Every lie we tell incurs a debt to the truth. Sooner or later, that debt is paid. 
it's funny i don't know if it's funny or not but after i <laughs> saw this episode uh i have used that line with my with my kids <laughs> that's a good one every lie you tell owes a debt to the truth and sooner or later that debt is paid and they're like dad what does it even mean like, you're, like, you're accruing debt <laughs> yeah, exactly so, yeah yeah. anyway but yeah so this but this seems this seems great because it is cutting back and forth you know that they, they they couldn't get past the 204 megawatts and the test required 700 megawatts they did so dietloff is is pissed that they you know poisoned his reactors but he orders the test anyhow even though they couldn't get up to 700 they're doing it at 204 um then the has his his cards and, and you see all the it was the blue ones that were mm -hmm. slowing it down, right? Yeah. Oh, no. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue, blue is what lowers reactivity. Yeah. Right. So you see, you see all those disappear and all the red ones start to build back up. Um, explains the definition of a chain reaction. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he explains the AZ5 button. And um, even though he gets cut off by the court, the court wants him to be done. Dyatlov cuts him off even. Uh, Boris kind of convinces them to let him finish. And then he tells them about the flaw and the tips of the control rods. They want to know why. Why is this? Why would you ever put graphite at the tip of the boron control rods? And it's, it's for the same reason that we've done it in all our reactors, the same reason that we've cut all these other corners where no other countries in the world are doing it. It's because it's cheaper. And so, I mean, that's a, a pretty damning thesis to this whole thing as well. But, um, and then suddenly this reactor that's designed to operate at 3,200 megawatts is now operating at 33,000 megawatts that's pretty efficient and that's pretty efficient <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> like, like, like yeah. all else being said that's pretty good <laughs> uh, i do love this line too he says that that is how an rbmk uh, reactor core explodes lies <laughs> like that's yeah, yeah that's pretty great pretty great um you know and you you wonder what Dyatlov and Birkinov and, and Fomin must be thinking through all this. Uh, you know, are we off the hook here? Did, did this guy just exonerate us? <laughs> like, no, no, we no. can't be off the hook. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, if they didn't mess up. It's, it wouldn't have exploded. But it it, it is an interesting thing of that all of Chernobyl. Part of the cause was just a bunch of lies. Mm -hmm. Like if if people weren't lying and if things weren't as covered up, like. Well, these guys yeah. just didn't lie, let alone, yeah, just amazes me, amazes me. Yeah, it is. It, it's such a such a great extreme example of the cost of lies, right? Because yeah, uh, you know, so I I went through a, a period of time in my mid twenties where uh, I found myself not I don't I don't know if I'd call it lying a lot, but I but I I basically was trying to spare people's feelings or spare myself the hassle of explaining things. So I would just say, yeah, whatever. Okay, fine. Yes. Yes. That is what happened, but it didn't happen. You know what I mean? Um, I, I'd, I'd uh, go on a first date with someone and then make something up about why I wasn't going to go on a second date or whatever. Um, and I said, you know what? This sucks. I, I don't like lying. I hate lying. I'm just going to just tell everybody the truth about everything from now on. 
Uh, and I started doing that and it was, it was pretty liberating. But the reason I started in the first place was, it was like, it just, it becomes so hard to, to, to keep it all straight. Like, all, it, all your lies in your head. Right. And so I love this line of, you know, every lie you tell incurs a debt to the truth. It's like, you know, sooner or later, the truth is going to come out. And when it does, like if, if, if it costs, it, it, it can cost you a relationship. It can cost you a friend. It can cost you a nuclear power plant and thousands <laughs> lives. of lives. Yeah. You know, so, so this is a very extreme example, but you can, you can micro size it, <laughs> shrink right. it. Yeah. You can, you can shrink it down to, to anybody as just an individual. Like the, the, the more lies you tell, like the more you are, the more you are risking losing. So, it really it, it was really cool to see it on this scale like that the, the, the lie that the truth was not what they wanted and when the truth isn't what we want we lie and in this case those lies cost thousands of lives so it's, very, it's a very good theme I, I yeah this might be one of my favorite themes of a tv series i, really <laughs> I think it, i think it works so well because it's so compact in five episodes it's, it's it's really cool i mean it, you could you could you could extend the theme but the more you extend it the more diluted it gets right yeah i get it lies lying is bad get it <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> but it, concentrated as it is into these five episodes of, of really just the closest probably humanity has ever been to being wiped out in mass <laughs> it's really really stark and amazing there's one other line in this scene that, that i really enjoyed as well when he says he tells Lagasov that the judge does you're treading on dangerous ground he says i've already trod on dangerous ground we're all on dangerous ground right now <laughs> so anyway yeah so anyway uh it's it's a great scene great stuff uh are you ready to uh get into the recap here yeah, let's get into the recap. Okay. Okay, we open before, 12 hours before the explosion in Pripyat, which is the, the community kind of around Chernobyl. Really haunting, chilling scene because you're looking at a bunch of ghosts here. Um, <laughs> We see so many familiar characters from episode one. I don't know if you, you caught them all, but I mean, obviously, I'm sure you caught Vasily and Ludmilla. Yeah, yeah. There, uh, and Dyatlov, obviously. But there, there's the, I don't remember what we called him in episode one, but there's the big guy who like holds the door. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Who then ends up dying. Yeah. Yep. He he was in here with his, uh, he had a kid on his shoulders, I think. Um, there was. Stitnikov, the, the guy who's first trying to tell the truth. Yeah, yeah you look into so the reactor. They, they force. I wish we got more of him. Actually, I know uh, he's so cool. Yeah, I really would. It. I would be, really like to know what ha what happened to him. But he was going to be our first character vote. I know character. I know. But we see him in there. We see uh, the people who went to the bridge, the bridge of death. Uh, didn't we just have a bridge of death? And. Uh, the last of us not in, like back in episode six oh. didn't they call that the bridge of death too i don't know 
that is what this this bridge was called. You know what I'm talking about? The bridge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, I know what you're talking about in uh, Chernobyl. In Chernobyl. Yeah. I don't know if I know about in The Last of Us. What bridge? Um, it was. Th- they asked river. Uh, that was the river of death. It was river. That's okay. Yeah. Close it enough. was the river of death. Yeah, similar. So, very similar. Bridge, bridges go over rivers most of the they time. They do. They do. They did cross a perpendicular. Bridge in that perpendicular. As well. so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was off by ninety degrees. <laughs> but yeah, so lots of familiar faces here. We see Fomin, and he's he thinks it's if the safety test goes well, then Birkinov is going to be promoted, and he'll get Bir- Birkinov's job. But who will replace him? Stutnikov, maybe. This is a, what so a jerk! Some, what a jerk! By here. the way, this yeah. is this is the most like kind of like quid pro quo thing I've seen of like these two guys. I don't know. Just I might give it a stick McCoff. I like him a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, and, yeah. But, you know, but but that love would like to be considered. So you know, <laughs> smile and a nod. Birkenov tells them that they need to delay the test ten hours because of productivity quotas. It's just, I mean, this is very briefly hitting the tip of the iceberg here, but productivity quotas, of course, meaning that the government sets certain amounts of production that need to happen each month and being toward the end of the month, they really need to be, they need to have that power. Yeah. So some, some inefficiency, I guess, with the quotas. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Dayatlov verifies the safety of running at half power. It's okay. It'll work. And I like that after they leave, Fomin kind of checks out the office. <laughs> it's, it's like, ah, this, this, this will be mine soon. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Move ahead to Moscow in 1987. Lagostov gets pulled into the KGB director's car and applauded for his statecraft. Not lying. It's not lying. It's statecraft. It's just a terrifying thing to think about. But I, I like the term for it. It's uh, eloquent. Mm-hmm. Yep. The West is satisfied that it was operator error. And to be honest with you, that's what I thought it was for my entire life. I thought that that's what we, I thought it was too. We just were always told operator error. It's operator error. The KGB deal was struck. So Boris had talked last episode about making a deal with the KGB to kind of play ball publicly so that they could fix the other reactors privately. And they did make that deal. However, no reactors have yet been fixed after the trial. Then we will have our villains. We will have our hero. We will have our truth. Not the truth. Our truth. It's as good as the truth. Mm. We'll see what the cost of that is. Oh, we have seen what the cost of that truth is. All right. Uh, Legasov's hair is falling out at home. Ulana visits him. She says that the state will have to be forced to fix the reactors. They're never going to do it voluntarily. No matter what he says or does at this trial, those reactors aren't going to get fixed. She wants him to tell the truth at the trial of Dyatlov, Fomin, and Birkinov so that the scientific community, who they've invited to watch the trial, will hear and insist on change. Valerie says, but they'll shoot me. I went willingly to an open reactor. I've already given my life. Isn't that enough? And she says, no, I'm sorry, but it is not. <laughs> Which is, I mean, that, that's kind of cold. Yeah, that is something to think about right there. The, the, this, 
I he's already given his life. Isn't that enough? It's a good question. Now, now, like, what are the expectations for a person? You know, what, how much onus is is expected of a person? Like, should, is Valerie expected to keep going on? I, I mean, I think if if you know better, you should do better, right? So, if you if you know how to do it. You kind of have an obvious, especially in the situation where, like, he could be preventing millions of deaths. So Could many be, deaths. but is it going to work? Is it even going to work? Is he going to die for nothing? Right. Like, right. like at the end of the trial, it seems as though what he said didn't work. It wasn't enough. Right. Uh, eventually, well, eventually I mean, suicide was what like put over the edge with the tapes. The fact but, that it took thirty years to to come out that <laughs> there. There, there was a government cover-up here in addition to operator error would indicate, yeah, you're probably right. So, like, the, the, I, I guess there's a question of, is Valerie a bad person? Or, like, is it his onus to have to fess up when he's kind of tried to, but the 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 self-sacrifice of it, like, I don't know. I wonder, like, how much I would fault him if he, you know, if he didn't end it. I didn't think he would even speak up here. I think we both predicted, yeah, he's not going to speak up at the trial, but... But he didn't. He did not speak up at Vienna. Oh, not Vienna. I meant the trial. Oh, at the trial. Like okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, there is a flip side to that coin, though, as well. Like He is a dead man walking. He admits it. Definitely. He says he's given his life. So but hasn't he given enough? So, But but what's the risk, then, Exactly. Yeah, no, of doing true. this? Like, he's, if he's already signed his own death warrant. You've gone this far. It's like if you were climbing Mount Everest, you got like a hundred feet away from the top and went, oh, I got high enough. And then he went back down. <laughs> right? No. Like, yeah, I mean, you're right. He's given up enough already. Yeah. So what's what's a little more? But maybe he doesn't want to give up that little more. Maybe that's, you know, that's a little I mean, too much. Yeah, I guess so. That's an interesting conundrum that he's in, but yeah. And we'll see how he handles it. So I, I think circumstances like these are always interesting because I, I think there is a point of where people it, it I think it becomes more of a gray uh, gray area of what they should do next. Like he should obviously share the fact, you know, the, the truth. But if if it does so much harm to you, is it worth it? And will it even end up working in the end? Yeah. So, so the other thing that to, to consider is is reputation, not legacy. No, we're not we're not in Watchmen here, so it's, I'm not talking about legacy, but re- rather reputation. Like. Right now, he's in a position of extreme power. He has a lot of control over how this goes. Mm-hmm. If he keeps playing ball, he will continue to have a lot of control over how this goes. If he pulls the rug out and he points the finger at the Soviet government, he will lose all the power and control that he has over the situation. Yeah. So that that's that I think is is one of the most interesting things about Lagasov in this whole series to me is that what that he was well at least in this series I I'm not speaking historically necessarily but in the series he had such authority because he was willing to kind of play along with the lie to a certain extent Yeah I mean they even mentioned that in the is like near the end when the KGB, you know, director puts him in the room, cites the fact of how he's played ball with the Kremlin in the past, yep. you know, at his job, not hiring Jewish workers mm-hmm. to get to curry favor and kind of called him one of them. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's not, he's not too much more different. According to the KGB director kind of forgot who he was. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, well, it's, so there is, I mean, there's something to be said for it. It's, it's like you, you need to, you need to be at least a little bit corrupt. And actually, Stars said it uh, in an interview after episode four. He said, you know, in a system like this, you have to lie a little. You have to be a little corrupt just to get enough power to make any changes. Because mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're not willing to play along at all, you won't ever even be in a position to make any changes. There's, this, isn't the, this isn't the exact same analogy, but it's kind of like the tragic of knowledge or mm-hmm. like wanting to change something for the better, but you can't quite because of certain circumstances. In this case, right, you have to be a bit of corrupt to, mm-hmm. to get enough power. When the allies cracked the Enigma code, mm-hmm. they purposefully still had a look like even though they could get some of the communications, they didn't want to reveal the fact they broke the Enigma code. So they still right. let the Germans sink some ships and still do things, despite them yeah. knowing it was going to happen. Because it's like, well, we gotta kind, you know, we gotta give them something. Because if we don't, they'll know. So yeah, not, not, not quite the same analogy, but you know, a tragic sense of knowing knowing the truth and trying to make things for what you think are the better, but yeah, absolutely. at a cost. So absolutely. Well, we just, um, there's kind of a heavy theme of Ozark's final season too, which we covered. Um, that you still had to feed the FBI some money. Oh, like, right. <laughs> that's as much yeah. as I'll say, but like, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. You could get a lot done if you were willing to do that. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good stuff. This like this was a great tease. I'm really glad we watched this. I'm really glad we covered it. Anyway, in the city of Chernobyl in July of 1987, we have this trial. It starts with the first uh, person that we see testifies, Boris. He testifies first, and he explains how the generator works and what the safety test, which we supposed was supposed to have been done in 1983, was meant to accomplish. Could the residual spin of the turbine be enough to keep the reactor running until the backup generators got up to speed. That's what the idea of the test was. That's what they were trying to figure out. And it should have happened. They should have done that test when the reactor was first built four years ago, and they never did. The test failed three times before the explosion. The explosion was the fourth time. So... I mean, clearly, this was never uh, safe. Again, a great explanation here, too. Yeah, Very absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, And I credit the writers for this, because this is them recognizing that they're about to get a little science that and it might be difficult for people to understand. So they bring in, you know, this model in this case, and, the, you know, the cards in the case of Legasov. Really good stuff. Ulana is next to testify, and, and the 10-hour delay should have canceled the test for two reasons. Reason one was logistical. There was a shift change. Hey, Leonid and Sasha, they didn't really know how to do the test. Lots of <laughs> instructions were redacted and crossed out. They were all super nervous, and Dalov just started barking orders. Like this, These were not the people who were ever meant to do the test. Uh, yeah, I loved her analogy of relating it to Cosmonaut being put out into space then given a list of shoddy instructions, some right. of which are crossed out. Right, <laughs> right before Abs- you have to act. Absolutely, it's amazing. Yeah. So, all right. So, Leonid was 25. He had four months of experience. He was reading crossed out directions for the first time. Meanwhile, 
a poison was forming in the reactor core. And that's the second. So she had talked about there being uh, two reasons why the, the 10 hour delay should have canceled the, the, um, the test. And the first was the shift change. And the second is this poisoning of the reactor core. Okay. And that brings up Valerie Legasov, who starts his testimony. And he has these red and blue cards for increasing and decreasing reactivity. Uh, the core loses balance if there's too much xenon built up. They keep saying xenon. I always say xenon. I, it's the same thing. So if you hear me say xenon, folks, I'm talking about the xenon they were talking about. But anyway. Um, are, are you sure you're right about that one, though? I did look it up, and no, I am <laughs> right. But I mean, as a, as a chemistry teacher, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, as a chemistry teacher, I did been saying xenon my whole life. But um, I mean, it's one of those things. It, it, these are British actors, and, and so uh, written, even though it's set in Russia, it's written primarily from like a British uh, kind of vernacular. Um, so. You, it's this, it's similar to saying aluminium instead of aluminum, right? Uh, or AZ5 instead of AZ5, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, as the xenon builds up, which it did because the reactor had been at half power for 10 hours. And that, remember, from the first scene is what Zaltloff said would be fine. It'd be fine. We can run it through for 10 hours at half power. But because it had been running at half power, it didn't get rid of the xenon and that xenon was building up in the core. We see Leonid trying to slowly drop the power, but it drops too fast eventually. And they're suddenly in a xenon pit and it stalls. And Dyatlov is pissed, you poisoned my reactor. <laughs> but he orders the power raised anyway. Sorry, go ahead. No, just the way he said it. It's like, you, yeah. boy, you choked it. <laughs> yeah, he choked it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he orders the power raised, but protocol is that if this happens, you got to shut it down for 24 hours. So Sasha refuses his order because it's not safe. And Dyatlov says, it's safe if I say it's safe. Raise the power. Sasha wants the order recorded, and Dyatlov uh, just swats the record book right out of his hands. <laughs> So good call by Sasha, by the way. I want I want it written down somewhere that you ordered this. this was not equally good call by Dyatlov. To swat it away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, he, you know, he, he does talk, he does say, I, I think it was the scene where he says, you know, safety first, correct? And I've been doing this for a long time. Safety is always my priority. Therefore, if I say it's safe, it's safe. <laughs> yeah, he, he, <laughs> he like sets it up as I agree, safety is the most important thing. And I am safety. <laughs> yeah. Justice. Back in the courtroom, Datlov denies being in the room at all when they raised the power. But Ilana's interviews consistently say he was there. So Boris has his third coughing fit of the of the trial, and so they have a recess. And I did love this scene too. It was during the recess. Boris tells Valerie that he's dying. He has one year left. He's coughing blood. And he views himself as an inconsequential man, and all he did was for nothing. When they put him in charge of the cleanup, he believed that when they said it was not a big deal, they were telling the truth. He believed them because he was put in charge. Mm -hmm. So ambition masking the truth. Magasov tells him that he was the one who mattered the most, the one good man that they could have sent, which... 
this, I mean, this is a really nice scene. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm assuming none of this actually. No, happened. I don't think this happened. But I really enjoyed this. This is this is really nice. The only things I care about for historical accuracy that would bother me is like if they made up a huge thing that didn't happen, right? Like mm-hmm. if the divers weren't real, or if like biohumans weren't real, or if like mm-hmm. the miners weren't real. That's something. Or, that or, if, know, or the hunters. Or if the control rods weren't really a problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. So these are the things that matter to me. The characters yeah. themselves and their actions, eh. Nah, that's yeah. fine. Exactly. This, that's this a, it's, it's, a, it's a dramatized version. So, yeah. exactly right. All right. Well, back in the courtroom, they can't, uh, we, are, this, we get our favorite scene. So I'm not going to say anything more about this scene unless you have anything else you want to say. No, I I think we spoke enough about it, but it's a very good okay. Yeah. So once Valerie does lambaste the government and say it's basically yes, it's it's Dallas' fault, yes, but it's also our fault for not coming clean about this problem with the AZ five button. Uh, it's the government's fault for covering it up. It's 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 the cost of lies, and after that. KGB director gets him alone in a room and tells him that his testimony never happened and that he will not communicate with anyone about Chernobyl ever again. And Valerie says, what if I refuse? To which the KGB director replies, why worry about something that isn't going to happen? (laughs) (laughs) All right. I like that line. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) And the guy is driven away past Boris and Ulana as we hear his recording. What is the cost of lies? And that is that is the end of the scenes. Then we get the text at the end. I'll, I'll go through some of this. The death of Lugasov brought his tapes to light in the scientific community. And the Soviet Union was forced to acknowledge the design flaws. Boris died four years later, four years, four months after the explosion. Birkinov, Datlov, and Fomin were sentenced to 10 years hard labor. Fomin returned to work after his release. Datlov died in 1995. Uh, Valery Kodnachuk's body, who I don't know if we ever met this character or not, but is permanently entombed under Reactor 4. They never found it. The we firefighters... Might, I think we might have seen him in the first episode. Probably, right? but I didn't know him at that yeah. time. So, yeah. Anyway, the firefighter's clothing is still dangerously radioactive and in the basement of that appropriate hospital. That's, that, cool. that's amazing. That's amazing. Holy cow. Free clothes. I, almost 40 years later, and that stuff's still radioactive. Those people were just out there spraying water. Some of them in T-shirts. That's amazing. Jeez. Oh, so the Ludmilla of a silly story was actually... Real. That was, it was real, yeah. I didn't and think that'd be real either. I, I <laughs> thought that was made up as well. I, I wouldn't have cared if it was made up. Like this me, me, I'm actually impressed either. by the level of reality. Yeah. into it. But she had multiple strokes, but did have a son who she lives with in Kiev. So she she's still alive, at least mm-hmm. as of 2019. That's pretty amazing. However, none who watched from the bridge survived. It's called the Bridge of Death. I mean, Jeez. knowing that, like, I, I want to go back and watch that scene again. So, I mean, it was haunting watching it the first time, seeing the, the radioactive dust kind of snow down on them now knowing that none of them survived that is just stark at least 100 of the 400 miners died before the age of 40 two of the divers are still alive and the other one i think 
didn't die that long ago yeah still alive today yeah. walking around that that's a cool story that's amazing <laughs> that's a cool story holy cow in the exclusion zone it is still forbidden to live there but over three have three hundred thousand people were displaced so still almost 40 years later you can't live near that place. I, I was more shocked. they were told it was temporary like, oh. yes that's right yep in 2006, Mikhail Gorbachev said the meltdown was perhaps the true cause of the collapse of the Soviet Union. Which is, that is interesting. What year did the Soviet Union collapse? Do you remember? 1991. Ni- really? I think so. Well, maybe, well yeah, that was, that was only four years later. And this new safe confinement is, was completed in 2017 for $2 billion. It's designed to last 100 years. Oh man, we're already six years into that. <laughs> the, uh, oh. the, uh, well, the official years. Just, uh, the official date, which is I got this like, my day. Uh, the dissolution of the Soviet Union was December thirty first, nineteen ninety one. There you uh, go. The very end of nineteen ninety one. There has been a dramatic rise in cancer rates in the Ukraine and Belarus, especially in kids. Most. Death, death estimates, therefore, range from 4,000 to 93,000, but official death tolls to this day are 31, which is astounding. I'm curious how people in Eastern Europe and, like, currently Russia view Chernobyl and the government there talks about Chernobyl. Hmm. I'm just curious the viewpoint of it. Yeah, I don't know. It is. I yeah. don't know. Well, because yeah, Chernobyl is in Europe technically now. Yeah, it's in Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah, because it's in Ukraine. Ukraine's part of Europe. So that's, that's interesting. Hmm. Well, Kurt, I believe it's time to check the time. All right. What time? Oh, Mr. Sal. Hmm? It's TV time. Phenomenal. Ain't no time like a TV time. Kurt, on a scale from one to five, what do you think the audience gave this episode? A five. They gave it a five. A, a five it is. 91% love this episode. Good courtroom drama. <laughs> and an educational lesson. There you go. The character ratings. Well, I believe that this is the episode where you finally gave Valeria Lagasov the nod, Kurt. I think the people definitely said Valerie. They have every other time, right? <laughs> yeah, so they definitely said Valerie. And I think you said Valerie. Okay. It's Valerie's time in this time to shine. Yes. The people did say Valerie. Yes, I said Valerie. The people said Valerie at a rate of 92%. Very high. That is Marty Bird levels high. That's high. I also said Valerie yeah, at uh, 83%. Yes. Yes. This is definitely his episode for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can I ask who's second? Is it Ulana? Or is it no, Boris? it's Boris, 5%. Okay. There you go. Good third, three percent, and that is all. Okay. That is the entire hundred percent. So there you have it. This was this was a very good series. I mean, I'm I'm glad I watched it. Oh, me too. We still have the recap. We do. That's right, folks. <laughs> Next week, there won't be any more. There is no more uh, Chernobyl to cover, but we will run through all five episodes and rank them from our least favorite to our favorite. Uh, <laughs> I have wow I gave one episode a 9 everything else I've given a 10 so 
something interesting. Uh, we'll also talk about our favorite characters, uh, our favorite titles, our least favorite titles. Uh, yeah, so it's a good time. We hope that you'll be with us as we say goodbye to Chernobyl and build the sarcophagus around our coverage of it. Uh, then after that, the week after that, oh, Kurt, I'm so excited. We get to start the new David Lindelof series, Mrs. Davis. So excited to be covering that from the ground floor. I'm also I'm pretty Brand excited. New Another Lindelof series. Yes. Another Lindelof series in our pocket. We'll We've already that. covered two of the four. We finished two of the four. Mm-hmm. We finished The Leftovers. We finished Watchmen. You can go back and listen to those anytime you want. Uh, we are currently about five episodes deep into season, the final season of Lost. So we'll be finishing that up uh, shortly after we finish up Mrs. Davis. So Mrs. Davis uh, is on Peacock. So if you haven't already gotten your Peacock, Peacock subscription for that, do so soon. They're dropping, they are dropping the first four episodes on the, the premiere date. Uh, we are not going to cover four episodes at once. We're going to do two episodes next week. So we're taking a break from Lost just for one week so that we can cover episodes one and two on Monday and episodes three and four on Thursday. You excited about Mrs. Davis, Kurt? We'll see. I, I'm, I'm a big robot person, yeah. <laughs> You're a big robot person. Big and I'm a big nun person. person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what wins, technology or religion. <laughs> religion. Oh, we're going to fight. What's that? I should say religion, probably a belief. I mean, that's how they're, that's like kind of the tagline for the whole series is religion versus technology. But I I don't think it's, uh, from what I've read. Faith versus science. Faith versus science, yeah. So uh, from what I've read, they don't really come down one way or the other. But Oh, that's good then. Yeah. That's good. So I'm excited. I'm very excited. Who am I kidding? I've, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Anyway, all right. So uh, that's our back catalog and moving forward, uh, what we've got going on. Uh, there's all this stuff in my back catalog too, but I'm not going to run through all that right now. Folks, uh, we will be happy to entertain emails about this series or any of our series, showhopperspodcast at gmail.com. We would very much welcome you supporting the, the podcast by giving it five-star ratings and reviews and spreading the word to people that you know who might be interested. Uh, or get people interested. That's always okay as well. Kira, is there anything else you'd like to add? Don't lie, Mr. Sal. Stop lying. That's right, because, folks, every lie we tell incurs a debt to the truth. Sooner or later, that debt is paid. Shoe hammer some show hoppers into your day.